Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody, Nashville, our location. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine, distilled and brewed right here at the facility that hosts the 360 studios. And crew behind the scenes on hand today. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. PK back with us uh, later this week, possibly, as he's under the weather. Chad, good afternoon. We have a wonderful show planned. Stephanie Odie will join us in hour number three. We'll go through, from her perspective, some top uh, some top options for the college football head coaching jobs that are already open and then some that are predicted to be open prior to the end of the season. John McClain will be with us in hour number two. A lot of NFL storylines to go through with him. That starts in an hour from now. Excited for a big day here, Hutton. I'm a little thrown off today because I for two reasons, actually. Yeah. One, I walk in and Matty Ice, one of our producers, is wearing a Gonzaga shirt, which I, I don't understand. Matty is from Iowa, I believe, but yet he's wearing a Zag shirt when I walk in. That, Probably that throws free. me off. Probably free. Yeah, he's got, uh, he's really a walking contradiction. He's got the 615 Titans hat on, and then he's got a team from Spokane, Washington on his shirt. I respect it, but it threw me off. Two, I just found out that there is going to be a fall ball tournament for my daughter's team that I'm coaching that I knew nothing about. I didn't think they were going to have fall ball tournaments. So, oh, so that this could go completely on. changes my strategy for this last week of the season. We have two games left. Then we take two weeks off and then have a tournament starting October 17th. Two weeks off? Is that like fall break for schools or something? Or I guess. I, it, they, wanna, some, they really want to push things up into the, the cold weather Somewhere there I know nights. it's fall break because my daughter's on fall break the week before. I don't know why there's two weeks. Maybe some teams have to play into that next week to make wow. up games. But um, this is a real dilemma. You know, Do I really press the envelope here in the last week of the regular season now? Do I back up a little bit? Our positioning is sort of we were right in the middle of the pack of the league either way. You know, how, how do I navigate these troubling waters of preparing seven- and eight-year-olds for a postseason tournament? So I'll have to figure that out at some point. That's, that's not for today's showtime, but I will be thinking about this and how to, how to move forward. Well, you've, you've, I mean, you're constantly thinking about this, Chad. It, it you're really, a winner. It occupies uh, – here's what I, I did recently, which is uh, – this is a, just a heads-up move for mm-hmm. parents out there of kids playing baseball or softball. I didn't know these things existed until a week ago. Training balls, they're basically like weighted balls that are the size of a softball or baseball that don't go anywhere. It's like a big rubber ball of sand. And you pitch it so you can just throw in a small backyard or small space. And they just and make contact. And a little contact. player can just make contact and hit and see it. And, I mean, if you hit as hard as you can, it's just going to go back to the pitcher. That's perfect. Slowly, and you pick it back up and throw it again. Um, so we started that last night. We'll do a little bit of that more before the game today. 
hoping my daughter comes out of her hitting slump. She's been in the last couple of games, and that's going to get us going. She will. She's going to come up with tonight's a big hit tonight. in the postseason. I feel good about tonight. Tonight's the night. She's just going through a little Aaron Judge, you know, precursor. We're just waiting on 61. I, I asked the question yesterday. I said, at what point do we start to get a little bit nervous? I think that moment happens if he gets through Toronto without hitting one out and is going back home. Then it starts to get a little bit nerve-wracking here for those last six games of the year. So um, his, his mother, Aaron's mother, is upset with Toronto for walking her son last night. 2-2 game in the 10th, two runners on, and they intentionally walk Aaron Judge to load the bases to help their chances of a ground ball double play. I have no issue with this. No. Toronto right now, they're three games ahead in the wild card race. They don't need to slip up either. So, I mean, there's no issue with this whatsoever. If this were, you know, Kansas City throwing to him, maybe a bit different there. Well, let me also say this, though. To Aaron Judge's mother. Yeah, Patty. I, I'm going to address Patty right now. This is a message for Patty. <laughs> Patty, your son plays professional sports. And in all levels of sport, the goal of that sport is to win the game, especially in professional sports. I don't care if he was playing Kansas City. If Kansas City, with their terrible record, had a chance to strategically do something to help win the game in extra innings, they should do it for the integrity of said sport and not just say, you know, we're going to throw out the book that we'd normally do in this situation because, dadgummit, Aaron Judge here is going for an AL record in home runs, so we'll pitch to this guy that we know we probably can't get out and not play the percentages of loading the bases, getting force outs at every base, and trying to win a game in extra innings. That should not happen. If Aaron Judge breaks this record, it's because he deserves it and he did it over the course of actual games that matter and not because teams decide, well, we're automatically going to pitch to him because it's going on. Now, if they go into a game, and the other team automatically walks him every time for only just to mess with him and well, not pitch to him, I would have an issue with that. But in this setting, the Blue Jays are in the right. Not only the wild card, but I mean, the loss pre- prevented the Yankees from clinching the AL East last night. So I mean, th- this was more than just watching 61. Now, from her perspective and the family's perspective and the Maris family's perspective, they're following this, waiting on that to happen. And, you know, he's, what, six games now without a homer? He's going to hit it. He's going to hit it. Well, again, so six games without a homer, I, I'm marking that that time they leave Toronto because if they get through that, that will be eight games without a homer, and they'll have six left. Yeah, but they again, they're, they'll be facing the Orioles. Hutton's got no faith don't, in his Orioles. Don't you worry. It does seem like the Orioles are typically, ever since Cal Ripken had the, the game consecutive game streak, I feel like they're always on the other end of history. Like they're the ones, you know, it's the middle reliever for the Orioles giving up the big hit or the big home run. Everyone must play their role, Chad. Everyone must play their role. Uh, Cooper Rush is playing the role well at quarterback for Dallas. The Cowboys win again with Rush. He's now 3-0 and as the starter. The numbers for him as the starting quarterback are phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's putting up numbers we have not seen before through his three career starts. He threw for 200 or more yards in each of them. He has a 90-plus passer rating in all three of his first starts. Of course, he's 3-0. and No other quarterback in NFL history has done that in each of his first career starts since quarterback starts were, were tracked in 1950. 
that from stats.com. That that alone, uh, and, and knowing that he's done this in spurts as the backup, it's a it, it's a great situation for him because you know you're always the most popular guy on the roster if your quarterback's not playing well. Dak wasn't playing well in game number one against Tampa. You've got Cooper Rush who has some offensive rhythm going. Great throw and great catch last night for the touchdown to Ceedee Lamb. That was the difference in the ball game and overall. What was a sluggish performance by both QBs early on? It was tough to move, move the sticks. It was tough to move the line of scrimmage, quite frankly. Big win for Dallas, though, because now they've got Washington coming up. And after beating the Giants, a team that had been very opportunistic through two games, here's Dallas with a chance to get Dak back sooner rather than later than what we thought when he was hurt. But now they don't have to rush him. Now the, now the commotion isn't about, oh, you didn't put him on IR, so where is he? Now it's like, oh, Cooper Rush is playing pretty well. Dak, you had your stitches removed. Take your time. Take your time for another week. Be patient with it and let the process play itself out. A little bit slower pace than maybe what we thought whenever they went to the locker room after week one losing to Tampa Bay. They don't have to rush because Cooper Rush is playing well right now. Um, I talked about this in in a Fox News minute, but Jerry Jones... I love how plainly he speaks about things and how he just is not going to hold back and tell you exactly what he thinks. When he starts comparing Cooper Rush to Dak Prescott and not Cooper Rush now versus Dak Prescott now, he's comparing Cooper Rush to Dak Prescott when he surprisingly took off and took Tony Romo's job from him when he played. That would be a little bit concerning to me if I'm Dak Prescott. Now, I I understand what Jerry Jones is saying deep down. Boy, wouldn't it be something if we had a quarterback controversy because means, Cooper's playing so well. Yeah. We want him to play well and for the Cowboys to win because then that'll make things better when Dak Prescott comes back. And wouldn't that be surprising if he actually played himself into a QB controversy? I don't think one exists right now, but it did raise an eyebrow when I heard Jerry Jones compare Cooper Rush to Dak Prescott then when he got in the, in the game for Tony Romo and eventually took his job. Well, I mean, he's doing things that we haven't seen since like Kurt Warner came in for the Rams, numbers-wise. Yeah. So it, if it continues, then we see the snowball effect where it builds and builds. Ultimately, though, they're winning because of their defense. Demarcus Lawrence last night playing opposite of Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, who you can argue is the best player in the league. Like We were saying that about Aaron Donald. Parsons is disruptive on every snap. He affects every play. He moves around so much and wins at a rate at the line of scrimmage where you, you, can't, you can't do anything but double the guy. And when you do that, you have Lawrence on the opposite side that's getting after the QB. They sacked Daniel Jones five times. Um, their defense you know, is, was good last year. That's carried over. And you can get by with Cooper Rush as long as you're running the football and you have a true number one wide receiver, which they've bet on with C.D. Lamb, who's going to step up and be that volume pass catcher for them. That's going to make plays in the end zone and not drop the football like he did in the first half. If they get that, they can get by. But to me, if in, in Jerry's world, in his championship mindset... They need Dak to be the franchise quarterback. That, that's what ultimately must happen if Dallas is going to win at the clip that they're expected to every year. Not with Cooper Rush. You can do this in the regular season. You can get by 
can you win in the playoffs? They need Dak back and they need him playing well. It's difficult to predict, though, because, again, it's his throwing hand, it's his thumb, all of that. And it does feel like it's a bit, um, you know, on uh, super speed right now on trying to get him back when initially we thought he was going to be out and on injured reserve. And I would say not just winning in the playoffs, but also Hutton, you can beat the Giants and the Commanders in your division. Uh, I don't know they're beating the Eagles with Cooper Rush. You need Dak Prescott at 100% to beat the Eagles and win that division. That's right. The, the, the regular season goal, winning the NFC East, it's way more attainable with Dak Prescott as opposed to Cooper Rush. I agree that also winning in the playoffs is more possible with Dak over Cooper Rush. But props to Cooper Rush. I, I had a column about some of the bad backup quarterback play in the NFL. And I initially, in a, in a poll question, I had Cooper Rush on that list and three or four people responded and said, hey, this guy was pretty good you know, when he came in last year. I took him off my list for that reason when I started to research it more with him, and I'm glad I did that I don't have it in print that I had him as one of the five worst in the league because he has well, stepped in and done an admirable job so far. Well, yeah, I mean, here, here's the key. Uh, what you want in your backup quarterback. He's coming in. He's, he, his offensive line is protecting him. They've got a rookie at left tackle who should be in the conversation for the top performing rookies thus far. I'll definitely have him there at outkick.com for tomorrow's column. And he's not turning the football over. Whenever he's I mean he's passing for what last night what 215 yards roughly, but he didn't take a sack and he didn't commit a turnover. And then you're allowing your other players was, around you to step up and make plays. And it's not like Dallas's offense is anything close to the top of the league here. Um, but they're producing more than what they were in week one against a good Tampa defense. He was 21 for 31 for 215, right at seven yards per per attempt. Touchdown, no interceptions. QB rating of 98.2. Daniel Jones was 20 for 37 for 196. 5.3 yard average. Quarterback rating of 57.9. So, again, we're talking backup quarterback, thrust yep. in the starting role, outperforming Daniel Jones in this game. And I think by a pretty wide margin. Now, they're asked to do different things, Daniel Jones and and Cooper Rush. Daniel Jones is going to be a lot more involved in the run game at times, but Cooper Rush, well, he's got he outplayed him last night. Yeah, and he's got less around him. Um, It sucks for the Giants. Uh, Sterling Shepard, who battled back from the Achilles injury, he's done for the year with an ACL. He's carted off, non-contact injury. Uh, where he's not even going full speed in the route, he's just kind of jogging, and you know he's he's choking down the motor, so to speak, where to slow down and takes that false step on the on the left foot, and then his knee pops, carted off. Um, and whenever he got back, he he was starting to be a consistent playmaker for them in the passing game. Kenny Galladay, non-factor. They're paying they signed a seventy-six million dollar contract or something recently. Uh, he's playing 22% of offensive snaps. Saquon Barkley looks like a top-tier running back. He He's a difference maker for them. But around him, up front for Daniel Jones, I mean, he was sacked last night five times. They can't protect him. Uh, the, the best offense for them is in the run game and, and whenever he runs. Uh, Peyton and Eli were pointing this out last night. There's not much to point to offensively for New York other than Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones when he runs it. Yeah, I mean, they're throwing that last interception, I think, with the pass intended for David Sills. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, they're just, there's not any 
pass catching options right now for for Daniel Jones. Diggs with Diggs with a gift. Trayvon Diggs, who led the the league with eleven picks last year, uh, set the uh, tied the rookie record at his first last night on that pass. It's a great catch too. Um, it was it was funny watching. I know we're going to talk about the the Manning cast, but Eli obviously rooting for the Giants the whole yeah. time. But Peyton would just start smiling because every time he said, oh, that had to be trapped. It had to hit the ground. And Peyton said, yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, let's look at the replay. Oh, yeah, that, did that hit the ground, e- Eli? Good. Everything was, that's got to be on them. This, this flag's got to be on them this time. Well, the one defensive holding call, uh, the, the passing route, I believe it was third quarter maybe, into the, into the half or third quarter, where it was an awful, awful penalty that was called against the, the, the Cowboys. And Eli was like, man, that's... He's going to be getting a fine on Tuesday for that, for that hold. And there was nothing to it. <laughs> yeah. Peyton was like, yeah, there's nothing. There, there should not even have been a flag on that play. It was well, a good broadcast last night for them. I, I, I don't enjoy a lot of these interviews. I would rather watch them on YouTube. I'd rather have them discussing the game. Uh, Tracy Morgan's on. I'm flipping back to the main broadcast to watch Monday Night Football uh, because Tracy Morgan, you know, is barely even at the game. Um, and he was there, apparently. He was in, yeah, he was in a booth. But then they, so I, I, I happen to have it on the main broadcast McAfee's at halftime. Great, but yeah. I had it on the main broadcast at halftime, and Jimmy Kimmel was yeah, on saw with Joe Buck, and he was plugging something they were doing, I guess, with live shows in uh, in Brooklyn. And uh, he said, I was coming into the stadium, and I saw Tracy Morgan in a Ferrari in traffic, trying to get into the stadium. And he said, This is probably I mean, he's not getting into the second quarter. Uh, he was that late going to the game. And uh, Tracy, the problem, this is my only issue with the Manicast. I like the guest, even if it's completely off the wall. I thought Joel McHale was funny because he was just going after Peyton's forehead the whole time and, and talking trash to them. The guests are fine. It's the timing. They just have not figured out the delay, and it just leads to awkward two guys trying to talk at one time, silence. Two guys trying to talk at one time, silence. There's no flow. It'd be a lot better if there was some sort of flow. Tracy Morgan is always uncomfortable. Like whatever he's doing, he just says the craziest stuff at all times. He claimed Tony Dorsett was his biological father during the broadcast, uh, which was <laughs> hilarious. And they said, "Well, how do you know that?" So well, he was at the house a lot. Said he drove a white van and came by the house. He said he was I mean, a running back in high I'm school. I'm not saying I, I don't enjoy the conversation. I just in the game, yeah. I, like when McAfee's on there, they're they're talking about the game right like yeah I, I want that banter in the moment and then i want to watch I'll, I'll go back on youtube and watch the the chats well, about even, anything else even if it's like I, I want the guests to be watching the game yes so even if they're telling a story it's like oh that, that ball's out you know right, right here that mcavee was funny because he started to say an introduction he said that ball is out on the on the kickoff he thought it was but then they go they the people who can go back and forth from game to talking about whatever's going on is great Coming up, uh, the remaining unbeaten teams in college football. We'll run through that. Miles Garrett released from the hospital. Details there on the Browns pass rusher and one of the top defensive players in the league. And uh, a bit later, John McClain joins us as we'll talk all three, all things week three from the NFL. Look ahead a bit to some of the, the top matchups going into week four. That's all coming up from 6th and Peabody here in Nashville across the network. Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, who is a trusted partner with us that keeps us mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers supplements where you need the most, your body. 
VitalLifeScience.com is the website. VIDALifeScience.com is where you can see more information. Outkick 360 season ticket holders. If you're listening right now, you're one of them. You receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your, your digestive system breaks those pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I personally use every day their vitamin C, their vitamin D3, and glutathione, but there are so many more options to choose from at vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A-lifescience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at vitalifescience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Cleveland Browns pass rusher Miles Garrett is okay after a single car crash yesterday, we mentioned this in as news broke yesterday, non-life-threatening injuries. When you see that, you're like, well, they're saying he's injured. Reports have been vague at best with his overall status. Um, what they've told us is, and what's been reported, no broken bones, and he's been released from the hospital. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. The crash still being investigated and um, uh, police have said that the the football player and the passenger were wearing seatbelts and impairment from drugs or alcohol is not suspected but we see the car it's it's messed up I mean it's it's in bad shape which means he's banged up at best right like that's the best yeah. case scenario well and it, it looks like just looking at the his Porsche that was that was clearly totaled that you just saw there in the video if you're watching, that it would be a situation where they're at least monitoring a number of different possible internal injuries, yeah, you know things things of that nature after this, even if there's no broken bones. That that that's what I mean. First off, you want to know that the guy is not in life threatening uh, situation. Quick. That got out quick, and then when I heard no broken bones, I was surprised when I saw the car. So that's that's all good news. We just. Continue to wait for news and wish for the best with Miles Garrett, and apparently he was swerving to miss an animal, is what that w we found out also in my, the story. Yeah, and my mom has done that. Um, she she was driving a uh, Miata and swerved to miss a squirrel and hit a tree head on, and it I mean it messed her up. She was in the hospital for a long time, uh, reconstructive surgery, um, plastics, the whole thing. I mean it was. Because you're you're just reacting. It's like a muscle reflex, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm always I'm always thinking about that whenever I'm coming around a curve on a two lane road, especially this time of year, where it's getting dark a little bit earlier, and I'm thinking about a deer jumping out in front of me. I'm always cautious of that because of you know where are you going to go if you're in a you have another car coming on. Yeah. Well, I so the the training that you always hear is in that situation. You may want to slam on the brakes depending on the mm -hmm. weather, but you never swerve. Yeah, never go into the other lane or never go off the road. You you want to hit the animal, 
if it worst, right? You want to slam the brakes on because it's going to cause a lot more damage to yourself if you go off off the road. Um, but I was talking about deer all over the place. I was going down a two-lane road recently. I mean, there's a deer. I've got my daughter in the back right side of the seat, and you could reach out and touch the nose of the deer. It was waiting to cross the road. And I'm on the right side, and I'm slowing down thinking, this thing's just going to go. It, it was big. Going to go right to the side of the car, you know, as I'm yeah. passing. And I'm kind of slowing down, then speeding up to get past, and it just stood there like a statue and, and didn't, didn't pass. Move. But I, I was thinking about that. Okay, what happens when this thing just goes out in front of me? I think my reaction just slam on the brakes and not try to swerve. But here's or a, just let off the gas. There's a lesson, you know? a lesson to be learned. Yeah, from this. But it's hard not to try to miss whatever's jumping out in front of you. It's just a weird reflex and uh, totally believable with that. And again, um, glad he's okay. Uh, we'll get more into the NFL headlines with John McClain. That's coming up in 30 minutes from now on Outkick 360. The top remaining uh, teams um, across the Power Five, and then we've got some group of five teams, the unbeaten teams in college football. Let's roll through them. Right now, 21 teams remain unbeaten. We'll start with the SEC Georgia and Alabama. Tennessee is now 4-0 after their victory over Florida. Ole Miss and Kentucky play this weekend. And we will see Chris Rodriguez back in the backfield for Kentucky in this matchup. Ole Miss has not played much of a schedule. And I said prior to the kickoff of the season, Chad, I I didn't like the Rebels as much as last year. For obvious reasons, they've got to replace quarterback, but they have so many pieces that they're trying to bring together through the transfer portal. But then you look at their schedule, you're like, you know what? They're probably going to win more games than what you may expect based on the fact they're playing you know, this, this run-of-the-mill group where they should win every game out of the gate. Whereas you've got Florida, who's being judged based on games where they're playing Utah, Kentucky, and Tennessee. It's just a, a bit of a, a different reflection when you're hosting Tulsa a week ago for Ole Miss. And that, that game was close. Tulsa's pretty good, uh, but that game was maybe a little closer than I thought for deeper into that game. Uh, Ole Miss has been okay. They've been yeah. They've looked great in stretches and then looked so-so at times. Zach Evans has been every bit as good as advertised. The transfer from TCU at running back, the former five-star. Uh, to me, I, I have circled this Ole Miss-Kentucky game this weekend for a while. That That's... We're going to have one less undefeated team in the SEC after this weekend, mm-hmm. but that's going to tell you a lot about both these teams. And I, I saw this. Someone was just commenting on the, the YouTube feed, in fact. Ole Miss is almost a touchdown favorite at home over Kentucky. Ole Miss 14th in the country, Kentucky 7th. And someone was asking, well, why is that? And I think it's twofold. Ole Miss offensively looks like they can put up a lot of points. And Kentucky, outside of that win in Gainesville, has been very unimpressive. Yep, they win by eight this past weekend over Northern Illinois. They've been in battles. They it was way too close with Youngstown State for the half. They've just they been sort of trudging along but in they their win. other games. They win doing that. Oh, look, I'm it's not. Never, I'm not here to say you know. I don't. I don't expect them to apologize for being undefeated and winning these games. I'm, if you're asking me, why does Vegas think Ole Miss at home? is a touchdown better than Kentucky. I think it's because Kentucky just hasn't looked that good even in their wins. Yeah, they, they, they're they never going to look beautiful offensively, right? It's always going to be uh, four yards 
pack your, your your hard hat and go to work. They're getting their best running back. Maybe the best running back in the SEC is returning for Kentucky this week. We'll see how quickly he can get things going. Uh, and Chris Rodriguez. Kentucky did what they should have done against Northern Illinois. They won the game. I mentioned on Friday as we were wrapping up the show, I'm, I'm watching this for a potential upset. 31-23 is the final score. And this is after Vanderbilt beat Northern Illinois at home by 10. Northern Illinois did not have their number one quarterback. Um, but it's not like, I don't think the, the game hinged on that necessarily. Uh, their secondary is pretty bad, and Kentucky lit them up, uh, much like Vanderbilt did. So maybe they can springboard a bit here. The, the defense, though, Chad, is, is what they build everything around. And Kiffin's been talking more about his defense at Ole Miss this year. Yeah, the defense at Ole Miss is better. That's, that's why I'm intrigued to see, can Ole Miss, is that what Vegas is telling us, too? Yeah. The Ole Miss defense can be the difference in this game, unlike past seasons with Kiffin, where they've got to win 45-41 if they're going to pick up a W in conference. Uh, yes. No, I think the Ole Miss defense is definitely improved. Uh, Kentucky is, and I say this as a compliment, just a really gritty, tough team that they have a culture of winning now at Kentucky, and they, they find ways to win ugly. At times. I, I, I'm waiting for Will Levis and this offense to take off at some point. Because I think with Chris Rodriguez, they're going to have that capability. They're mm-hmm. going to have a breakout performance at some point and put up a ton of big numbers. We haven't seen that as much yet from the Kentucky offense. Hutton, we know Lane Kiffin's offense, when it's firing on all cylinders, can score a ton and quickly. So this is going to be, uh, to me, I, I think this is the most fun game in the SEC this weekend is when Kentucky goes to Ole Miss at well, noon Eastern time. And you know what? I mean, the, the one thing that Rodriguez can help them immediately with is in the turnover differential. Cavassier Smoke did okay as the backup running back, but he, he fumbled twice last week. Um, so, I mean, you've got situations where I don't think Chris Rodriguez is coughing up the football nearly as much, and you're keeping possession. Will, Will Levis's numbers on paper don't look all that bad. But the, the competition hasn't been great. Um, and we, we see that pick up a bit. I don't know if it's necessarily any better this week against Ole Miss's secondary. We'll find out. But again, here's Kentucky, 4-0. Second year in a row, they finished September, 4-0. And they're winning it their way. It's, it's not pretty. Sometimes it's really ugly, but they win. It's very similar to A&M, who, by the way, is down to Nia Smith. For the season now, their top yeah, wide receiver is done, so that that will affect their offense. Um, Tennessee, a week off, then they head to Baton Rouge. You mentioned this yesterday. That's a great point. The 11 a.m. kickoff is a huge benefit for Tennessee on the road. You don't have to play the night game uh, in Death Valley. Chance to get to five and zero, oh, and then around the turn, October fifteenth, at home. Tennessee and Alabama. Alabama, by the way, plays Arkansas this weekend. They play Arkansas this weekend, and they play A&M the next weekend. So I'm looking at, okay, the dominoes to fall. Who's going to be the first of these unbeatens to lose? Well, Ole Miss or Kentucky this weekend. Um, Alabama's a 17.5-point favorite at Arkansas, but I'm telling you, there's something different about these last two years with Alabama and the mistakes they make. Yes. Because I, I would say no way, no chance they go to Arkansas and lose this game. 
but we said that a year ago when we were in College Station. And th- this is a team now that commits penalties, that that makes mistakes at times. So I'm not going to say never with that, but I feel pretty confident saying Alabama will be going to Knoxville undefeated in a few weeks when that game happens. Georgia's got Auburn this week. Georgia's schedule sets up beautifully for them to just coast into the uh, into the SEC championship game undefeated. That Georgia-Auburn rivalry, though, there's always something to that where – it doesn't always go as planned. Georgia's just that good, though, and Auburn's just that bad. Auburn is. I mean, I've never felt more about a team being dead after a win. Oh, by in the, the way, SEC they have Missouri this week. Georgia does. Than this, than this past weekend, and Missouri's part of that. I still feel like Auburn's dead even after beating Missouri because Missouri twice found the most excruciating way to lose a game, missing a chip shot shorter than an extra point field goal. Yeah. And then just throwing the ball out of bounds when he didn't have to in a fumble in overtime that ended the game where they were that close to winning it. So here's here's Georgia's schedule. Missouri this week. Then they host Auburn. They'll host Vanderbilt. They'll host Florida. Well, I say host Florida. They're the home team. They're back in Jacksonville this year. And then they, let's see, then they've got Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's the toughest Maybe Florida on the road on a against Mississippi field. State, on the road against Kentucky, November nineteenth. That, that's a big one. And then they'll host Georgia Tech to end the season, November twenty sixth. It's going to be an easy October so, for Georgia. One of the things I was uh, I raised an eyebrow to Kent State put up some points. I believe that's who they played this past yes. weekend. Sean Lewis is the head coach and. The way that Kirby Smart described this going into the game was their offense isn't the same, but it's similar to Tennessee. And I took note of that just based on how Kent State moved the football some and put up some points against Georgia's defense. Well, Tennessee scored, what, 17 last yeah, year? Yeah, the most. And that was the most in the regular season, yeah. I think, until Bama in the, in the SEC championship game. And how many did Kent State score? 22. 22? 39-22 is the final. I mean, it wasn't close, but again, uh, you see Kent State put up 22 after South Carolina can only muster seven. And knowing the pregame comments were about Kent State's offense, maybe it comes back to help Georgia later. But if I'm a Vols fan, I'm liking that. Well, if we're going to segment out the season into thirds, we are a third of the way through the season right now, four games in. Mm -hmm. I feel very confident one-third of the way through the season – by saying that Tennessee's going to score on everyone. I mean, they're going to score on Bama. They're going to score on Georgia. And when I saw that Kent State and Sean Lewis and a similar offense scored, scored mm-hmm. against them, I'm thinking, they scored 22. Can Tennessee score 30-plus on Georgia on the road? Probably doubtful, but right. it, it gives you a chance, right? I mean, that's going to put you in the well, conversation and you've got to be- of hanging around in the fourth quarter Against Georgia or Bama if you're Tennessee. And a lot can happen over the next, what, seven weeks before this game takes place, injury-wise, for both teams. But right now, you know, Tennessee's found some depth at receiver over the last couple of weeks, and they've, you know, they need Tillman back and healthy for that game, for instance. Well, if you're of, missing if you're mentioning those type of points. Of these undefeateds, though, Georgia, Alabama in a different class than Tennessee Ole Miss and Kentucky. Tennessee Ole Miss and Kentucky having really good years, great stories. But I still put them in the category hut nub. When they go head to head with Georgia and Alabama, they're going to need the need to win the turnover battle going away to win. Like it's 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 still that type of game, right? It's 
if you're Alabama and Georgia against everyone no else, it's just don't turn it over, do what you do, you're going to win. I still feel like for Tennessee or Ole Miss or Kentucky to beat one of those teams, it's going to have to be a pretty crazy game where you're plus two or three in the turnover margin on that day. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Minnesota are the four unbeaten teams in the Big Ten, and Penn State will play the other three in consecutive weeks now after they get past Northwestern this week. They have uh, a game at the Big House in Ann Arbor coming up October the 15th. Following week, they will host Minnesota, and then they'll host Ohio State in a three-pack of games prior to finishing uh, against Indiana and then Maryland. Um, on, on the schedule, this is Ohio State's. This is Ohio State's uh, schedule, and other than Michigan, they're not going to have a problem on their on their schedule this year. See, we can talk to Stephanie Odie a, a little bit later about this because she's a big Big Ten reporter. Um, this is where college football, to me, gets very interesting because it's not just about the top of the conference. I've been preaching this all year. Ohio State, you're spot on, Hutton. They're the class of the Big Ten. But here's the two interesting questions to me. Who's better, Minnesota or Penn State right now? When you're looking at unbeaten teams at that level right below Ohio State, and then take that answer, whatever mm-hmm. that answer is, and then ask the question, now how close are they to Michigan? Right. Because I think it's pretty close. I've got Michigan in the college football playoff. But from what I've seen from both Penn State and Minnesota is the biggest surprise to me right now in the Big Ten because they have been so dominant. But take those two teams, which one's better? Can either one of them, would they be able to compete with a Michigan? Because I'm still putting Ohio State in a class unto themselves. Well, Michigan, I mean, excuse me, Minnesota schedule. Purdue this week. Let's see. On the road against Illinois. On the road against Penn State. Home against Rutgers. On the road against Nebraska. Home to finish the season against Northwestern. It's not too bad. They got a couple of tough road trips there, but I mean, you get one road game against Nebraska. Oh, then they finish against Iowa and Wisconsin. Again, um, they can be the surprise. They they can be the Purdue of last year out of the conference. Yeah, that's how. That's how their schedule sets up. I think they could be better than that. I mean, it's they're They're playing in the Music City Bowl. They're the class of the SEC. Excuse me, the Big Ten West. I'm gonna I'm gonna say for Minnesota, they've got New Year Six capabilities. If they win the Big Ten West, um, going just let's go rapid fire. Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas. Kansas is one of the of the best stories going at four and zero. How are they not in the top twenty five? We'll, we'll mention that again. Um, rooting for the Jayhawks now. Here's this, what and a nice this, win for TCU this past. This weekend. bothers me though because it, the argument I keep hearing back. Well, who have they played? They've played a collection of better teams than most teams in college football. Right. They've got a win over West Virginia. They won at Houston. They beat an undefeated at the time Duke team. Duke's not going to be great in the ACC, but I'm looking at a lot of other teams that are undefeated or close to it that have played three nobodies out of four games, well, right? And we we get Oklahoma State and uh, Kansas uh, the first game of November. So maybe we see both of those teams um, – uh, last that lot maybe not here because Kansas also has to get through Oklahoma as I think about their schedule. Uh, I, I would love for them yeah, to go on a run and become the well, topic I, of, of Iowa what they State have. is a three point favorite at Kansas Iowa this State, weekend. Yeah, Iowa State's good. That was a really good game this past weekend for them. 
Here's the problem, though, with Kansas. You know, we were discussing earlier today, Hutton, about why it's important for a team, a program like Kansas, just to get ranked, to say that they've been ranked for the first time in a long time. Um, where's their next win coming from when you look down their schedule well, they've right got now? Iowa State, and then they have TCU. So we'll have TCU and, can, I, you know, if Kansas pulls the upset against Iowa State, you could have – Small I mean, upset at home. Hypothetically, you could have Kansas-TCU on game day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, how could you not – how could you leave them out of the conversation I mean, on it, October 8th? Then you've got – I mean, it, it's still a team even at 4-0 that's going to scrap to get a bowl, a bowl yeah. bid. Because it's at Oklahoma, at Baylor, well, Oklahoma State at home, at Texas Tech, Texas at Kansas State. I, you know, Oklahoma coughing that game up this week against against Kansas State. Oklahoma's looking at a situation where, I mean, over the next two years, if you're looking at it from a college football playoff perspective, for national ch- – so just knowing that you're headed to the SEC, and I know we're going to see 12 teams in the playoff, but you've got to win more games to win the title, right? This is that little window here where they're not bad at quarterback. You know, they've got options. They're not it's not like they're poorly coached. They should be avoiding these little hiccups across, you know, their conference like we've seen year to year. Well, it's it's at tough. a more at a more uh, at a higher rate than what we've seen. Tough weekend for Oklahoma fans because they also saw Lincoln Riley get to 4 and 0 with a program that was 4 and 8 a year ago yeah. at USC. So, tough tough break. Coming up in 15 minutes, John McClain will join us. NFL headlines when we come back. Ken Mulkey's no comment. Our thoughts on that on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. LSU coach Kim Mulkey. No comments on Brittany Griner's situation in Russia, and it sent the internet shockwaves into a storm. I, I don't. It, it's it's I don't, unusual I don't it. on both ends. Yeah, of this. it's look. It is odd. It, it was. It, it was also someone was setting up a question and said, "We haven't heard you talk on on Brittany Griner," and that was a basically previewing a different question. Right. And she jumped in and said, "And you're not going to." And then an and answer said, to your first part of your question yeah, or whatever. Yeah, then answered another question or what. But, I mean, people were playing that clip. Seth Davis, who covers college basketball, wrote something about, I don't know how you send your daughter to play for her after seeing this. Yeah. I, that's look, a, I, I'm the first to say that's it's, a leap. it's weird that, you know, a national championship winning coach with the national player of the year well, helped you win the national championship. And let me ask you, in that sport – Yes. in that sport isn't discussing a player from that sport so, going through what Griner's going I through. I also fully admit I don't know their relationship. Right. If it deteriorated, if there's something else going on here that she doesn't want to talk about, no idea. I, I think her a lot tone, of people... Though, her tone, pe- people to pick it up on the tone, and the tone could be, you know, I'm thinking of it like, I took it as, and you're not going to, because she's not going to sit at the podium and discuss anything, anything political. But with that... Like that, Grinder situation in Russia should be a bipartisan issue 
with what's going on with her whole situation and how they're holding her, right? Like, Well, that, it should be. And look, I'll also say this. How we respond to Kim Mulkey should be a bipartisan no doubt. issue on it. I don't think no, it I, is. No, I'm not disagreeing with that either. I mean, Kim Mulkey is a conservative uh, and is pretty outspoken about it in the past. So Seth Davis is of the world are going to say, I don't know right. how you'd send your daughter to play for this woman. Right. And we know there's deeper things in line with that than just that. I would like to know what is going on or if there's anything, or if it's just like you said, Hudden, I'm not commenting on anything. But she didn't clarify. That's not about so, our team. You know, it's open to speculation. Yeah, and, and maybe next time she meets the media, she'll say more about it. I some thought, people, some people I thought took it, it as... I thought it was very peculiar, but I, don't, I didn't think it was nefarious. Well, some the people way took people it as thought. her tone being like, and again, they're reading in the tone, being like they ha- she has some issue with Griner from the past or whatever, which I'm not familiar with. Um, look, it, it it was odd to have a women's head coach not comment on that given the circumstances, right? Like, yes. Well, and so it's something that everyone's discussed at some point. Peculiar, but I, I don't think it was grounds to also imprison Kim Mulkey the way some made it out. Okay, to be. I, I say I say it's peculiar because. You, she can have an opinion on it and give her opinion on it. She doesn't have to no comment it either way. That was my that's my line of thinking. It would have been honestly. very easy for her to say, well, "I really hope that we do everything we can to get her back home." You know, regardless, right. like I, I hope everything's being done to try to yeah, get her back. And I'm not going to comment comment further. I'm not going to comment on how she got there, what was going on, but I hope we get her back. Yeah. Uh, we get John McClain back coming up. He comments on all things NFL headlines. Week three with the general, the man in black. John McClain is next in Outkick 360. John.